We are supported by NFA Nutrition. NFA Nutrition stands for Nutrition for Athletes, but most importantly, they truly believe in providing safe and quality supplements for everyone who wants to improve their health and level of fitness. With everything happening in the world right now, rest assured, they take great measures to ensure your safety. Their full lineup of products are Health Canada approved and they make sure no banned substance are present nowhere in their products. You know, when Michelle and I decided to partner up with them on our podcast, it's mainly because we share the same values of giving everybody a chance to stay healthy. NFA Nutrition also sponsor young athletes from speed skating to gymnasts so they can focus on their sport while NFA takes care of fueling their inner athlete. Don't forget the best part, all of their flavors are super yummy. Use our promo code to get 20% off on your next order, MILE20, M-I-L-E-20, and head over to their website to learn more at nfanutrition.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of Walk La Mile podcast. Here is Greg, and I am joined by Michelle. How are you, Michelle? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, I'm good. I'm I just good. asked you how you were, and then I said, I'm doing well. And yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. Everything's all right. It's a good day. All right, cool. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> That was totally not awkward. <laughs> Michelle, I'm pumped because today we have Sarah Sigmund's daughter on the podcast. And uh, yes, I didn't know too much about Sarah. I mean, yes, I knew she was a successful CrossFit athlete for sure, like everyone. But I haven't met or been close to Sarah until um, I remember Wadapalooza in 2019, which was my first big international competition I was emceeing. And I remember on that day, uh, they call it the Bayview. Uh, I don't know. You never competed at Wadapalooza, right? You, you've been there to coach, but you never competed? No. Uh, yeah, I've never, I never had that opportunity. But you know this, um, this stage where, uh, you know, it's just oceanfront? Um, where, yeah, I mean, the Bayfront. I, yeah, the Bayfront. I, I think it's the most uh, scenic place in Miami uh this is where the crowd I mean sees all the athletes before they get on the flagler stage which is the where, where the big crowds are and uh all the media but yeah. I mean this this bayfront has something uh magical there it's kind of a little more intimate and I remember I I was there as kind of quote unquote the rookie MC. 
And uh, I know they're, they're probably going to listen to this episode, but I was with Larry Moss and Mike Richards, two games, uh, MC Games veteran. The, these guys have been some OGs that have been there for, for a long while. And final heat of women of this workout, they're just, they handed me the sheets and they were like, yep, it's your turn. You do the call out. And I was like, uh, me? I mean, you, you guys are the OGs. You can do it. It's like, no, you're, you, you can do it. You're ready. And I see all of these names on, on, on the sheet. And um, I just turned for the first time ever. I, I started shaking when I had a mic in my hands. And I turned, <laughs> I turned my back on the crowd because there was so many people. And I started, uh, you know, telling the names. I remember Caroline was there and And then I'm like, okay, I, I got to put a little more energy into that. And I go uh, in lane number five, uh, Tia Claire to me. And then I hear the crowd roaring and I was like, wow, there's so much energy in there. And the next name on the sheet was Sarah Sigmund's daughter. And everything was going on so fast in my head because you tell, you know, you yell, Tia Claire to me and you don't think that because she's the world champion the crowd can go even louder and then I say Sarah Sigmund's daughter and the roar I heard was completely crazy it was so loud yeah. and I mean I I, I had to <laughs> I had to control myself not to actually start laughing because <laughs> it, it was such a great moment and I just I just tried to let the moment sink in for a second. I saw Matt O'Keefe was right there. Everyone from the CrossFit community was there to see this, uh, this heat. And um, then I, I ended the call out and I was like, you know what? This is my first international competition. And I mean, Matt O'Keefe was the president of loud and life could just come up to me, take, take me my microphone and say, yep, you're done. Your career is over. And I would be like, yep, you know what? Just fine. <laughs> I just had my moment. And, <laughs> and since then I, 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 I've uh -huh. seen these athletes, uh, a, a lot. I mean, I, I, I'm still, I'm seeing Wadapalooza, but, uh, I've done a lot of events and filthy 150 in Ireland, which we're going to talk about, of course, in, in this, uh, this chat we have with Sarah, but I wanted to tell how I, that's yeah. where I realized how popular she is. It's completely crazy. Yeah. People love Sarah. I mean, Sarah is kind of like, uh, for me, Sarah is, um, the new generation of athlete, like Sarah came in on the field when I retired and um, she represents really like the new athlete and, and um, uh, she's like a, a taller girl. Um, and back in my day, having girl like my height or my size, like five foot one, 100, you know, 35, 145 pounds, it was kind of more common. And then she came in and then more and more, we started seeing the taller Um, slightly heavier athletes and mm -hmm. and um so to me she represents really like the modern crossfit competition and what i like the most about sarah is that um there is a sense of um i don't want to say naiveness because it's not it's like that's not a very it, it's a term that's kind of like derogatory but yeah she has a um innocent a very trusting way of going at things 
And I think that sometimes plays a little bit to her disadvantage, but there's something so like likable about Sarah. She's genuine. Um, she's, em she's emotional. She's passionate. Um, she's not scared. Like, you know, having that conversation with her, it, it takes a lot of guts to do what she did and, and, and to admit uh, what, and I don't want to spoil anything from our conversation, but uh, to admit that, um, you know, her, her personal, her personal judgment on what it meant to be a female competitor stopped her from, from um, really um, Realizing pushing her herself. Potential, yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it, it takes a lot of guts to kind of, to, to acknowledge that and to admit that. And um, after our conversation, I really have a newfound respect for, for what she represents. And I feel like she's a, very positive role model in our field. And God knows we know we need positive role models in, um, in the tough times that we're going through. So it was um, a pleasure to talk to her and it was a pleasure to get to know her better. Um, I'm pumped for everyone to listen to this episode and I think we're going to go right to it. But before we go, uh, just to bounce back on what you're saying, I'm very proud. Uh, I have, I have some, I mean, my, my two, goddaughters i have nieces as well and young girls uh, around me in my life and just to say that th this episode was i mean it was this chat with with sarah that we just did a couple of minutes ago is very inspiring for these uh, these little ladies that are growing and i'm i'm very proud to have um recorded this episode with you and sarah i think that both of you are um, great role models. I'm trying to find the right words in what I'm saying. That's why I'm stumbling, but <laughs> that, that you and Sarah are both, I mean, great role, role models that some role models that, I mean, us or, or you and Sarah, when you, both of you were growing up, you probably, I mean, didn't have. So, um, yeah. it, it's very hopeful for the next generation of, of ladies that are growing right now to have such amazing female role models and i'm very proud to have been part of this episode with both of you that was great thank you greg all right so let's get to it let's have a little fun um thanks everyone for being here for following us and uh have fun listening to sarah sigmund's daughter yeah, so I have a pretty bad cold so uh you have to excuse my voice or no <laughs> oh no <laughs> so uh, how did you get that <laughs> it's so in Iceland now it's like it's becoming summer so it's like very warm one day and then it's like super cold the other day so it's mm. like in the day it's like 12 to 17 degrees and then in the evening it's like minus two so it's like that that heat change that's messing everybody up so I had a COVID test yesterday and I was like panicking that I had COVID. I was like, I just finished surgery. I don't want to experience COVID now. Like my mental side oh is not God. ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Surgery, oh, COVID. Man. Great. Yeah, like, just have everything in one month. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> uh, well, at least it's not COVID. Um, no, at least it's not COVID. Thank God. Oh, you already got your results. Yes. Yeah. We just, we get the result like eight hours later. That's good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So like you were living in Iceland in this situation. Very thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Here and, uh, spring yeah. is the same kind of. 
I'm sorry. Oh, we're not in Ireland. We're in Montreal. Oh, I, are you both in Montreal? We're going to have some great bloopers here. Yeah, me asking you how Ireland is. I thought, Greg, you were from <laughs> Ireland. Yes. Uh, story connected me with you with Filthy 150. Yeah. That's, so that's... I was like, oh, he's from Ireland. Okay. I knew that Michelle was from Montreal. Uh, actually, it's funny because this. Canadian accents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have accents from all over the world. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. But that event, uh, Sarah, this is the first time I really met you. I mean, I was emceeing Wadapalooza uh, a yeah. couple of months before that in 2019. But that event brought everyone from the CrossFit community in Ireland. It was pretty crazy. That's exactly where I met Snorri as well. Yeah. And, exactly. um, actually, I wanted to tell that story on this podcast. I'll just start yeah. now. Uh, I remember at the end of the competition, well, you obviously won. Uh, I mean, Kristen Holta placed second, but you won the Filthy 150 in 2019. And I remember at the end, the, the Irish are crazy about CrossFit athletes. This, this crowd was amazing all weekend long. And at the end of the weekend, you know, we do the podium and pretty much all the crowd stayed, which is kind of rare, right? And everyone was all around the um, the competition floor and everyone wanted to have a photo or an autograph from sarah and and sarah just went to get a sharpie or something she came back and she started at the very right of the competition floor and she never left until everyone every single person that was there had a picture or an autograph from her. It's the only athlete I ever saw in any competition I made, any um, sanctional or whatever. Every single person got, uh, and it took you what, an hour, an hour and a half or something right after competition? How I look at this is just like, while I'm competing, everybody's cheering for me and sending me strength. And I think that this is the least thing I can do when people are coming to watch is like, I have nowhere to go after podium and after competition. Like this is the smallest thing I can do is walk around the crowd and, and uh, meet new people and take photos and yeah, just make the crowd happy. It's so funny because my um, memory of Sarah is, uh, who's this new freaking chick from Iceland that just like, after four years of competing, just kind of comes in and smashes everything that I do. <laughs> um, I think, so Sarah, you and I met, well, we can't say meet really, because when we're in competition, we're so focused, yeah. but um, yeah. I think the first time you competed at the games was back in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, we met. Yeah, our... and uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say like, I went to uh, the CrossFit Games 2015 and I was fangirling about you. I was like, I, re I remember seeing you, Katrine, and some, I don't remember who else was there, but uh, with Ben. Uh, yeah, it might have been Camille. No, I think it was the, the comp train group and uh, you were testing yeah, out. Yeah, it was Rachel Simone. Yeah, 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 Rachel And you were testing out some swim event or something, and I was on the bay, and I was looking at it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Michelle. <laughs> so it was, uh, 2015 was the biggest surprise for me also. It was like, I had had so many setbacks from trying to make it to the game. So mm. in 2015, it was like, all the work that I'd put in had finally given me the result that I wanted. 
That's awesome. It was a great, I mean, for me, it was my worst year, but for many people. I remember your hands. <laughs> it was really bad. Like it oh, was so oh bad God. after Murph. Like I remember you had the ice packs over and then like, I don't think you had skin on your palms. <laughs> no. And I remember John, my coach at that time was like glue, super gluing your hands together so you could do, so you could try to do the next event, which was bar muscle ups or something. Yeah, I remember. Well, actually, I think it was the snatch ladder. Oh, yeah, it was the snatch ladder, yeah. I remember that day because we did, like, we did Murph, and then I never ripped. So, Greg, you know me very well. Like, my hands, I, I competed my whole career without wearing grips. The, yeah. Grips. And uh, obviously, at, in Murph, I ripped in my last, I don't know how many pull-ups. And, and um, yeah, that afternoon we had to do the snatch ladder. And I remember picking up the bar in my hands and dropping it right away because it was like as if um, someone had put like a, an iron on my hands. It was pretty bad. And you, you did excellent that year. It was so surprising. And it was like a new European um, competitor on this scene that, that just like, it was like, a, how do you say like a, like a, you walked in that room and you took the presence like very, very pronounced. And look at you now, the, your career has been amazing and you're doing excellent. And, and you say you had setbacks getting to the games, but it feels like you've also had many setbacks in the last couple of, uh, couple yeah. of months. We'll talk about that a little bit later, right, Greg? Yes, we will, for sure. I mean, uh... I think, Sarah, it seems like you're the ever so smiling person. And you said you had many setbacks before getting to the games. Uh, I'm not too aware of those. I mean, probably you'll, you'll share it in this episode. But it seems like also you have some now. I mean, you, you had your knee last year at the games. Uh, I mean, you, you don't have, you, ha you have your knee right now. Uh, you had uh, some cortisol problems, I think, last year as well. And uh, also yeah. your rib in 2018. So, and every single time we see you on social media, every single time we see you in every single event, you're always so smiling, performing, <laughs> and generous. Whatever. How how do you do it? What's your approach? I mean, I just look at it as a way of like if I'm negative about everything that happens, like these things that are happening, uh, like to me, are things I can't control. Like. My rib in 2017 was the biggest surprise that I, like, I didn't know I had a broken rib for three months. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, uh, my body just stopped letting me, move, like, use the hand when I was in Australia. So that was probably the biggest shock, <laughs> except for the knee now. Um, but I've always looked at it this way. So, like, how I started my career was, like, I accidentally competed in CrossFit and uh, was in second place. And... I remember the regionals were starting like, no, I mean, open was starting two weeks after. And there was a guy that approached me there and he's like, you should do the open. And I was like, what is that? He's like, just listen to me and, and, and come on Wednesday at five and you're going to do one workout. And then you're going to put your score into, uh, into the computer with me before you leave. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I was so excited. I, I had no idea what CrossFit was. So I just Googled the movements that showed up. So first was like, seven minute burpees and I think I placed like sixth or seventh in Europe and that got me even more excited I was like I'm actually pretty good at this could I could I actually like make it to regionals like that's so unreal 
And then the second week was snatch. And I was like, what is snatch? <laughs> so I was like, okay, the barbell starts on the floor. And I just put it overhead in one movement. And I've always been just freakishly strong, like just natural strong. So I saw the last weight, which, or the middle weight or something, which was uh, 135 or 125. So I put uh, 55 kilos on a barbell. It didn't spin or anything like in a hotel gym where I was training at at that time. Oh my God. Yeah, because I live in a small town and the hotel gym was the only gym that uh, was available. <laughs> so I just put a, I wanted to get ready before I would do the workout. So I tested out like um, I was just going to do one to two reps of the barbell from floor and overhead and see how it felt. Because I wanted, I really wanted to make it. And, and then I put the barbell overhead and I didn't know how to put it down. So I fell with it down and I broke my wrist. So that's how my crossing career started. It was like, I saw... I saw something that I was hungry for and it was taken away from me. Something that I found that I was pretty good at and pretty fat, like a fast learner. And uh, so I just looked at that like, okay, this is just a hill that I need to go over. Yeah. So, uh, because you're such a fast learner and has too much strength for your body. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, broke my wrist and uh, and I had to wait for a year to be able to start CrossFit because uh, the doctor recommended that like if I would start too early it would affect me in long term so so I just waited for a year and finally 2013 I was gonna start CrossFit or, and did start CrossFit but there was no gym no CrossFit gym where I lived so I had to drive two days a week uh, to do CrossFit and uh, made it to regionals and at regionals I uh, got disqualified the first day for not making three overhead squats because I had never lifted with pounds before and I had never competed on such a big stage before and uh, yeah got uh, disqualified and um, yeah so that was the oh. second punch in the face <laughs> And then the third punch was uh, 2014. I was so eager to make it to the games. And then I see the events and I had never done any gymnastics before. And uh, I just, uh, with, or following the training plan 2013 and just trying to uh, like, cause I programmed for myself before without knowing what CrossFit was and just like finishing level one. So I started following mm. training plan 2013. 13 to 2014 had not done that much of gymnastics and was 12th place there but like if the events had been different I think I would have probably made it to top five because I was I had so many strengths but I had very big weaknesses also and uh and from there uh I just wrote down all my weaknesses worked on them as much as I could and had a breakthrough in 2015 and then I look at it now like what's happened to me since 2017 is two broken ribs uh, uh like a small burnout or adrenal fatigue and and then now my ACL uh well it's stronger now but it uh, it ruptured uh, a month ago or two months ago so I look at this now, it's like, okay, this is the same face that I experienced when I was starting CrossFit. And this is supposed to happen to me because this is supposed to teach me something. Because I look at what mm. happened to me in the beginning, 
like trying to make it to the games, it made me such a strong competitor and so hungry for the games and so like eager to just be the best. And I think yes. I've always wanted it or always needed something on my mental game. And I think that this is the biggest challenge that I've experienced now in my career. And if I overcome this, I don't think there's that much that can stop me. Mm. Tell, tell us a little bit, like, so we got to see a nice little um, uh, view of, of your CrossFit career in a very, uh, how do you say, a um, roller coaster way. Give yeah. us a little bit more background about where you're from and like who, where does Sarah Sigmund's daughter come from? Uh, what did you study in? Like, tell us a little bit about where, like, your, um, I want to say parcours in French, but your, your, um, your path. Path your, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go so, ahead. Yeah. We want to hear. That. Yeah. So, uh, my dad was studying in, in the States when I was younger. So, uh, I moved to the U S when I was two weeks old, uh, until I was four years old. Uh, and then I've lived in the same town since then. And it's a small town in Iceland where we were like mm. around uh, 10,000, 10 to 14,000 people that live here. And- uh, Is there some kind of sign at the entrance of the sea, like home of Sarah Sigmund's daughter? <laughs> no, nobody cares about me. <laughs> no, everybody knows each other and, and everybody knows your name. No. And uh, yeah, so people just think of me in, in this town as the Sarah that I was 10 to 15 years ago and, and they're just proud of me. And, and I've always, what I've loved about living in Iceland and living in this small town is the community here is, is so good. And how, or like when I started in CrossFit, there were so many people that believed in me and I never believed, believed in me until I made it to the games, which is so crazy. But just because the other people saw something else in me, it gave me so much strength and everybody showed up in the open to cheer on me. And then there was a big crowd that goes to regionals and it's like, it's such a good community that has helped me reach my potential. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I'm super thankful for that. But yeah, so I, I was brought up in a very small town. I, I hated sports when I was younger. Uh, had, like, I've always been very competitive, but I just I didn't have enough self-esteem to be able to handle that competitiveness when I was trying out sports. Mm. So I tried all sports when I was younger, but I just... I never believed that I could uh, be good at anything. Uh, I've played piano for five years. So I was more into music until I found, uh, until I started in boot camp when I was like 17. That's just when I started training for real. So it's been- So you like- I started training. You <laughs> seem to really like the, the, exertion and the intensity but maybe a little bit less the confrontation that comes in more traditional sports right yeah yeah exactly and it's like so you did go ahead yeah i was just gonna say like with crossfit it was just like how i found myself in crossfit was like i've always been strong but when you're a female you're embarrassed yeah. of how or how i was was i was embarrassed how strong i was like I was, mm. I went to the gym to uh, lose weight and to find a boyfriend. <laughs> and, and, uh, and from there, like 
I was like, I just felt like when I was training with somebody, I was so much stronger than the other girl and I was so embarrassed. So I was like holding back because I didn't want the guys to see how strong I was and how, how easy I got muscles. And then I found CrossFit and I saw the girls there and I was like, wow, this is a new, like, this is a new definition of how females can look like. Mm-hmm. Ladies, let, let me let me jump in in there because I have two uh, worldwide models of strong women. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah, when you got into CrossFit, you, you said that this was some kind of inspiration for you to see strong athletes like Michelle um, that that was already there. I mean, the, the year before you came at the games uh, for the first time, Michelle placed fourth and. Um, I mean, I saw Michelle in Canada here being on billboards and uh, downtown wow. Montreal, the Reebok store, and you are now at the Volkswagen, one of the Volkswagen uh, um, athletes, I mean, sponsored by... So did you see in the past 10 years when both of your careers started to take off, uh, the image of strong women change in the world? Or you still see some kind of pushback by the, the society? I see like such a big change and and I always like since I started CrossFit is like I wanted to change that image also I want girls to look at me and think wow I want to be able to do what she does and I want to look like her like that's mm. like because there's so many girls that uh, don't want muscles on their hands because that looks like a guy instead of like, Hey, what can you do with your body? What's your body capable of? Why should you hold back because of a specific image? And I think it's so attractive when females are not afraid of doing what they can. Mm. So I think yeah, that, that that has changed a lot. And, and especially like I get messages from, from people about like their daughters and, how much they look up to me and want to look like me. And that gives me like a, a warmth in my heart. of like, wow, I, I'm actually ha- like, I can have this effect on girls that were maybe experiencing the same thing as me when I was growing up of like being ashamed of who I was because I wasn't the, the optimal girl. I wasn't the girl that was super skinny with the, like that was still athletic and like I was the one that got red in her face and, but was very competitive, but was ashamed of it. So like, if I can change the way that girls experience this, I'm thinking more like, what am I capable of doing instead of, I don't want to do this because then I'll look bad or something like that. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of pressure, external pressure put on what we should be doing and not doing. Yeah. And I mean, um, I don't know about you, Sarah, but when I was competing and I was in the gym, I felt accepted and desi- and and de- like looked up to and and mm-hmm. respected and and um, I had weight, you know. And then I put on regular clothes and I went shopping, yeah. and uh, I was being pointed at and I was yeah. being uh, mocked of, and I could see it. And the people are not very good at hiding hiding their judgment, you know. So. It's very difficult. And I think a lot of it also has to do culturally. I think some cultures accept women that are very, and we're, we're not talking about regular athletic women here. We're talking about very athletic women. And I think that there are some cultures that accept that a lot better than others. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Iceland, 
but I know that um, I have always felt that in Montreal, and Montreal's a little bit different, I mean, from the rest of Canada, because it has a very European flair, but there's a big, big emphasis on arts and culture. And um, so if you're an athletic person, or if you're someone who really values uh, physique, health, um, wellness, stuff like that, you're kind of marginalized a little bit, I feel like, especially if you're particularly athletic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's my perception. But when I went down to the States, I felt like women, CrossFit women just like kind of were a little bit more of the norm than, yeah. than up here, you know? Exactly. And that, that's exactly how I felt. Like airports are probably the worst. <laughs> like when you're going through security <laughs> and they ask you to take your coat off and they're like, whoa, she can beat my ass. Yeah. Wow. How strong are you? Wow. And it's just like, just because I'm a female, you say that. Like, I was once asked by uh, a Costco regis, uh, uh, Costco uh, uh, cashier, do you work out? I looked at the guy and I said, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> and he was like, anyway, uh, that was, those are the kind of encounters we got regularly, right? It's crazy. It's crazy to see how, I mean, comments at the Costco cashier or at the airport, Sarah takes her coat off or Michelle, I mean, comes at the cashier. At, it, it can be that men are impressed or women are impressed by those physiques, not told in a bad way. I mean, they're not saying like, whoa, you know, but it can, you know, it, it can be interpreted badly at the same time. So, I mean, just... I, I can't wait for the date so that, that we're not surprised about, I mean, seeing an athletic woman this way. I mean, just like Sarah is how she is. Michelle is how she is. And everyone else are the way they are. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree totally. And, and I really hope like that has been my goal. Part of this career is like trying to change that female don't have to be a specific way. Like you, you're your own kind of beautiful, like, you, you, how you look the best and feel the best is when you are, um, when you're not afraid of being yourself and doing what you're capable of doing. And I think that that's where, how I got to the games was like, I stopped being afraid of people judging me and how I looked and everything. Like I just did, uh, I found CrossFit and I just felt like, wow, this is something else. Like the females are equal to men in this sport and that's what I love so much about it that's excellent that's a great way to put it I've always said that beauty comes from confidence you know yeah like exactly when someone is confident in what they're doing and who they are and how they can be you're totally right they're going to be they're going to exude um something that's just a, like like a feeling and I always say about Fred you know <laughs> Fred's my boyfriend so we've been <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fred is Top <laughs> you can see, see me, he's not here, he just left, but you can see me do the coding figures. He's a top athlete, but Fred is a very confident person um, and uh, that's what drew me to him. So it's, yeah. it's so nice to see that, um, Sarah, that, that being in the position you are, being such a good role model with that kind of attitude is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings me to my next question. You're studying psychology right now. Yes, I am. Well, how's that going? Where you are at? Yeah, so I've, I've always had a huge interest in psychology. And I started in 2014 
uh, when I was uh, starting CrossFit and trying to make it in CrossFit. And, uh, and I finished one year, but uh, I like all the exams are always the same time as regional. So like when I was studying, I was like, shit, I should be training. When I was training, I was like, oh, I should be studying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I stopped mm-hmm. there. And, um, and then uh, when I broke my rib in 2017, the end of 2017, I felt like I was so empty of like, wow, my only identity now is the athlete, Sarah. Like, I, I don't like this has been my passion now for such a long time. And all of a sudden, I don't have anything else. And my body's not working with me. Like, what, what's going to happen after CrossFit? And like, like, I always think like injuries help you so much. It's like, help you so much to know yourself even better. Like, they're, of course, negative and everything. But like, how or where I am now in my life and everywhere is because I've experienced everything that I've experienced, like the injuries and the setbacks. And like, so I started again in 2018, after the games 2018. Uh, And I had to start from the beginning and I'm doing it in like, I don't know what the English word for it is, but it's in a university in London. So it's just like an online bachelor degree. Yeah, promote. Yeah, remote. Yeah. So uh, I have. I'm now finishing my third year. So I have three years left. So I'm halfway. Twenty seventh of May. <laughs> That's really and, and like psychology is such an interesting field. Is there anything that you're specializing in particular? Uh, I have a huge interest in just neuroscience and neuropsychology. Like, so I just. Figure I would take a bachelor degree in uh, in psychology, and then I'm just going to figure out what do I want to study even more. Like, what do I want to get my mm. master's degree in? So, mm. probably, like I was thinking, people always think I want to do sports psychology, but I love um, I love how the brain works and how you can connect your mind with your body, and I want to study that even more. And I have a huge interest in sleep also. So like somewhere in that area. And then maybe I'll just end up in sports psychology. I don't know. <laughs> I, I also well, have a huge... Oh, sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, I just want to say that I also have a huge interest in sleep, but not to study it, to just actually sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the problem for me is that like I have a huge interest in sleep, but I have a hard time sleeping. So that's why I want to oh, study Oh, you and me both. Let's talk about sleep then. It's, Let's uh... talk about sleep. <laughs> uh, the beauty thing, the beautiful thing though, about having like a ballpark plan is that you can really go with the flow. Um, yeah. If you're too... If you're too specific too early, then then you might uh, feel like you missed out. So having a ballpark idea is, I don't know, that's the way I've always done things. So it's really nice to to kind of navigate through life's choices with, with kind of uh, an open mind. So yeah, everything changes us- so quickly. Yeah, yeah that's true. That is true. It's so funny how the pandemic has made everything change so fast, but everything yeah. is still at a standstill. Uh, it's just it's crazy how yeah uh, like you're speaking from my heart now (laughs) (laughs) everything changed so quickly like I was just thinking the other day like I was in Miami at Waterpalooza and I remember the pandemic was starting in Italy there and I was like 
ah, uh, this is going to be over before we know it. And it's still going on. And you're like, I jinxed it. <laughs> oh, it's your fault. <laughs> it's all my fault. I'm so sorry. No, I, I, I was <laughs> reflecting the same when I was at Wadapalooza 2020. I was coming back and everyone was wearing masks in the plane. And I was wondering why. And I was, well, I just, yeah. I, I just asked the, the, the employee, the airline employees, oh, I think I'm going to have one. Just, just because everyone has a mask, I yeah. think I'm, I'm going to have, have one too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now yeah. we're here and we missed Wadapalooza 2021. I mean, uh, and I mean, now it's going to be, 2022 it seems it's it's crazy yeah. how, uh, how how things go but do you see it as a, um, a great opportunity for you to I mean have a longer career I mean not to have any live events like sanctionals because because you were a busy athlete in the past years competing a lot and now to, to see that you know you're in your small town in Iceland you can take your time recovering and I'm quote unquote take your time because I uh, you're probably eager to come back to competition yeah. to live competition the sooner the better yeah like my like last year did not go as planned I had the worst uh worst result at the games that I and just something happened to me in the competition but that I can't even explain and hopefully it was just adrenal fatigue or something like that but ending my like ending my career but like because now I'm not going to compete until 2022 and having that long of a time of like ending my last competition in that bad way and now recovering from injury and and when you're recovering from injury you you go through the process of like will I ever be good again will I ever make it again was this the final thing for me or like will I come back and of course those questions come to your mind and uh So, like, it's good that this is happening now while the pandemic is, like, hopefully being done in this summer. Like, we've said this for a while now, but, like, hopefully before yeah. Christmas, nobody will have COVID anymore and, and like, things will be back to normal. We won't be afraid of traveling or standing too close to somebody in a grocery store. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> so, so I'm... I would say that the positiveness of being injured now is that I have this time now of just recovering completely without the extra stress of like, are regionals going to be, or like semifinals going to be uh, online? Are they going to be there? How, how can I travel there if I make it there? And like all the stress around the competitions now still because of COVID. So I get to see from the outside of like how everything goes this year, mm -hmm. because this is like the, the new CrossFit year of like the semifinals and open again and so it's good to be on the outside of this while the pandemic is going on because i'm already so jealous of everybody that's competing and then i'm just telling myself like yeah but it won't be the same because of covid <laughs> so like it's okay that like it would be a lot of extra stress around it so that's what i'm saying to myself <laughs> yeah. it must give you though and and i'm telling you this as a coach The, pen, the, the injury in the pandemic, I think, is um, an important time to kind of take the, take the opportunity to look at your career from a bird's eye view. And uh, because usually, you know, I've been in your shoes when things don't go well. Like 2015, the year you started was my worst year ever. And it was the year that um, made me realize a lot of things about myself and about where I wanted to go. 
And it also forced me to kind of understand what the process that I took. Mm -hmm. So I guess now knowing that you're still really young and that you probably have many years ahead of you to compete, it feels like now would be a good opportunity to look at what the strategy was in the past and understand what worked and what didn't and making a new strategy and doing it in, and like you said, in a way that's, that's like, there's no pressure, right? Competing during COVID, there's a lot of stress because people want things to be the way it was and it won't ever be. Yeah. And uh, you have the, uh, 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 in French, it's a golden, well, in English too, a golden opportunity to kind of, to kind of lay down the stones for 2022, which is really a lot closer than we think, you know? know. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you can really um, set, set yourself up for long-term planning, which is so rare because in CrossFit, it's a yearly turnaround. It doesn't give much, much uh, time for athletes to do R and R and, but also strategic work, you know? Yeah. And it's also like, um, I think that what has happened to me also, like through this time of, or like the last few years is like, I lost myself a little bit completely too, because I'm just that kind of person of when I find something that I love, like I have tunnel vision for it. And yeah. what's happening now is that I started working with the new coach because I needed a new approach and I needed some, some new ways of doing things because I wasn't. Uh, reaching the goal that I wanted to reach and I had just like um, I had had a great year until the games and something went wrong at the games and being your own coach at that time when you're experiencing this like um, <laughs> devastation yeah. of yeah why am I why am I not good enough at the CrossFit games and so I was I was super excited to start working with training think tank Max like Max is my new coach now and and my goal was to go there and train with the guys there because I've been training by myself for a while now. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that if I would have gone now in the state that I was in before my injury, it wouldn't have ended the way that I want, or like, I think I would have reached, like, uh, I, I think I wouldn't have reached my full potential because I wasn't connected enough to myself. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is- yeah. <laughs> But th- like, this is what, it, what injuries make you realize, like when you calm down a little bit and like you say, you look, look at yourself from a bird's eye of like, oh, this is what I've been doing. And this is, this is something that needs to get changed. Why am I doing this? And uh, so like, it's been a, I know it's hard to say now while I'm in this, but like you say, 2022 is, is right around the corner, but it feels like forever for me because it's three weeks from surgery and I can train after eight weeks. So I'm like, Oh, the time is stopped right now. <laughs> and yeah. I've never taken this time off and actually worked on myself that much until now. Mm-hmm. So, so what are you doing it? now? What are you doing for yourself? Like what are the activities that you're, you're getting involved in? Like, uh, is it, is it, are you getting back into piano? Like what are those, uh, those things that are you, that are firing yeah. you up? Yeah, so I uh, I wrote a list out. <laughs> so I <laughs> tore my ACL the 9th of March, but I didn't get a scan until the 12th. So I had three days. And those three days were <laughs> probably the longest days that I've experienced because one day I believed that 
it was nothing and it was just a little bit swollen and and that's why it was unstable because I felt like my knee was so loose and then mm. <laughs> and then the next day I was like oh my gosh my ACL is torn and it's eight to 12 months of recovery. Oh my gosh, this is the worst knee uh, injury you can have. And I was just panicking. So I just wrote down like, if I have an ACL, uh, if my ACL is torn. And then I wrote down all the activities that, I, that I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, I haven't started anything yet because uh, the first thing is I'm going to finish school this year. Uh, mm. The second thing is that I want to get like, uh, uh, I want to learn how to sail a boat. I want to learn how to dive like free diving. Uh, mm. I want to learn uh, on a guitar and I already started that 10 minutes a day. And uh, I, uh, I want to start playing piano a little bit again. And I want to make my clothing line, like I want to spend time uh, like getting ideas for my clothing line and just do it 100% well. Because like I had the clothing line on the side while I was training, while I was in school. So I'm doing my own clothing line at WIT. Uh, and so now I have time to focus on these extra things that are more of like my hobbies than anything else. And does, and, uh, does and that make you happy? It, yeah, it makes me happy. But of course, you always want to do the stuff that, uh, <laughs> that you can't do. <laughs> it's crazy how this, uh, I mean this injury that you're living with right now or this pandemic gave, you know, I don't know about the lockdowns too much in Iceland, but in Canada here, a lot of athletes, I mean, professional hockey athletes or football athletes couldn't even train, couldn't do anything. And I mean, they were told by their coaches, this is the opportunity for you to work on something else that actually train. I mean, work on yeah. your mobility, your mental strength, all of, all of that stuff. And it seems like you did all of that by yourself that you I don't know if it's because you're uh studying in psychology but you, you went you're like okay so this this the, these are my new goals I want to learn all of these things and also how I'm going to approach my injury uh psychologically yeah I, of course I've, I've had like a lot of help through my team and uh So it, it's not just me that's doing everything. <laughs> I'm just taking all the credit for it. <laughs> But I, I have such a great team and, and my family and everybody. Everybody is just so supportive. Like the hardest thing with this injury is that I have a dog that's a husky border collie. And uh, he's so strong. And I'm not able to have him now after surgery because I'm not allowed to walk with him if he like pulls me. Oh, my God. Strong. So... That's the hardest part is like my mom and dad just have him now. And I'm just like looking at him from afar. Like I miss you so much. <laughs> so uh, I lost my baby in this injury too. <laughs> It's going to no, come back but, soon uh, enough. Yeah. 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 Like I, I just visit him, <laughs> but, uh, but like this has taught me so much. And like the first two weeks after surgery, I wasn't allowed to drive and you take something so much for granted what you can do. Yeah. Just not being able to drive and asking people to help me was just the hardest thing for me in the world. I just felt like a, a burden on everybody while everybody is so willing to support me. Yeah. And, but like, yeah, you take so many things for granted. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I've experienced also. Like this is giving me so, so much new experience. And like, yeah, one of the hardest things in, in the world to kind of, face is 
when all you want to do all day long is be a strong woman and then you have to ask for help. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. And it's a lot harder hardest than people. Part, yeah, the hardest part is like, I've always like, if somebody like, uh, if there's a gentleman or something, he's going to take my back. So I'm like, nope, I can do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just how I've always been and how Icelandic girls are. We're just like, we're strong, independent women. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so like asking somebody like, hey, I usually take my back myself, but could you hold it? <laughs> could you carry it up for me? Like, so I've been uh, working at Snorri's office and I would call Snorri when I was outside like, hey, can you take my school bag upstairs? <laughs> and like, it had maybe two books in it, but that's like, you don't take any chances of anything now, like, especially the first two weeks. My girlfriend's kind of this way as well. I mean, shake everything. Like we come back with the groceries and we almost have to fight for who is taking the most bags uh, upstairs. That's pretty funny. Like we just want to be gentle as men and help and be like, I, I, I was raised by my mom. So I very young age to, I mean, just to offer help to women. It's yeah. just a kind of nice gesture. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, but we're just like, like, of course, if somebody's a gentleman, you let him be a gentleman. But like, but we're just like, we don't expect anybody <laughs> to do anything for us. Like some girls like, won't even yeah. go into uh, the car without the guys opening up first. Well, I'm like, I can open my own car myself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, it's yeah. so funny. We're very, sometimes I, I'm very hard because it's like, I can do this myself. No, I don't need help. Da, da, da. Yeah. But then when my boyfriend opened the door for me, I'm like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> My, 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 nice my girlfriend, it, it, it was fun. It, in the beginning, it was some funny moments with my girlfriend. I mean, she was like, I can do it. On my, I know you can do it on your own. I'm just trying to be gentle. I just want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and now she, thing. yeah, now she yeah, recognizes now she it. She says, oh, it. thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know you're strong enough. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to do it. Yeah, exactly. That like, it's, it's hard to swallow that when you get that to your uh, face back. Like, I just want to help you. I know you can do it. Like, oh, yeah, you can take the back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you feel so guilty. <laughs> Sarah, there's a, there's a question going on in my mind. And I have to ask you about, you know, these injuries you went through. Uh, you had a very good year in 2019 after your broken ribs. I, I laughed when you said that you knew three months after that you had a broken rib. I mean, I would... I would notice a second after my rib have something. I was like, oh no, there's something wrong. And you're so yeah. strong. Three months after yeah. you noticed it. Um, so, so <laughs> which is very funny. But you had a great year, an amazing year in 2019. And then that happened to the games, adrenal fatigue in 2020. Then your knee in 2021. Did it cross your mind um, in some kind of the process? Because now you're here, you're smiling, you're healing. You can't wait to compete in 2022. It's clear in your mind where you're going. Did you have any moments doubting that, I mean, is your career in CrossFit over? Of course, I've had it so many times. And I remember after I broke the rib for the first, first time, I'd never had a serious injury before. And I couldn't train for like three months because I like how I didn't know that my rib was broken. It was like, I always had this pinch in my shoulder. So I just thought it was the shoulder and the neck. 
So I, I was trying to power clean and I couldn't. So I just did legs for three months and I took time off and I just thought it would heal. Mm. And, um, and like, I didn't even, it didn't occur to me that it was something serious. And then uh, I'm competing at Invitationals in, in I, like a week or five days before Invitationals. I was just like, shit, I'm in no shape at all. And I'm competing on a stage after five days and I can't do some stuff. So I was like in training and I was like, I need to try to do bar muscle ups, parallel enhanced push ups. Like we have no idea what's what imitation else is going to bring until like the day before, sometimes the same day. And uh, so I pushed myself in training and I got sick and I was sick for probably three days of just because I had pushed my pain threshold so much. So my body just reacted of making me sick. So I wouldn't do it again. And of course I just, I competed at imitation. I was, I was in Australia and I wasn't going to bail on it there. And after I competed there, uh, me, Carmen, and Sam Briggs were going to spend some time together in Australia and, and enjoy ourselves mm-hmm. and train, of course. And uh, I was uh, focusing on competing in Dubai. And that was like two months after Invitationals. And, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden, like my shoulder was getting worse and worse. My neck was getting worse and worse. And I remember I was in a shower and I have a lot of hair and I have heavy hair. And I did this. <laughs> And my hair got wet and I got stuck. <laughs> and then I was just stuck with my hand like this. And uh, and then the worst part was like, I was in, in so me and Carmen uh, shared a bed at, uh, so we spent time with Cara Webb, or sorry, Cara Saunders. And, uh, and we uh, had a room together there. And uh, all of a sudden I wasn't able to lift myself out of bed because I had pushed myself so much. And I just thought I had, uh, a herniated disc in my neck so I traveled from Australia to Iceland with a broken rib and crying probably oh for 24 hours it's a yeah. 24 hour trip must have been the worst and, uh, flight ever yeah it was just the worst experience ever because I was in such a trauma and in so much denial that this was something serious and then my body was just reacting 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 and I was just like no this can't be happening this can't be happening and um and then I come home and I have to rest for three months um, because that's how long it takes for rib. And because my rib was the first rib, which is very rare for, oh. yeah, for, uh, for CrossFitters, but because it was a, a, a stress fracture from overtraining, it took me three months to recover completely. And, and I remember the open was the week after I started training again. And that's where I started just like, I'm never going to be fit again. I couldn't, I couldn't clean 80 kilos and I couldn't do a bar muscle up and I couldn't do all the things that I was good at before and open was starting. And, uh, and then I had like just a small mental breakdown. I was like, what do I do now? Mm. And uh, I remember uh, Preston uh, Smith, he was following me because we were doing a fit eight series that's called uh, Perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was crying so many times after a session because I was so stressed and I was like, please don't, <laughs> don't post this. Like I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was questioning myself so much at that time. But the only thing that I was saying to myself was if you like, it's always been my saying is like, if you don't give up, you get what you deserve. And that's what I was saying to myself when I was experiencing that I wasn't as good as I was. And will I ever be that good again? And then I tell myself, like, hey, one day at a time, uh, if you don't give up, 
you will get what you deserve. If you put in the work, you will get what you deserve. I love that. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just what has helped me through it all. It's like the belief of if I do this, if I do this rehab on the ACL, exactly how my physio talks about. And I, and I listen to Max with training and, and, uh, and when I'm finally allowed to uh, let the beast out of the cage and I don't have to hesitate of like uh, rupturing it again, like then I will get what I deserve. And hopefully 2022, I, I will be at that place and maybe it's going to take a longer time and maybe something else is going to happen on the way. But like, if I don't give up, I will reach my goal. And I, I've always believed in that and I still believe in that. Mm-hmm. So moving forward for this coming year, you have a physio plan mm-hmm. to, to um, address your knee. You have a yeah. training plan. What are your so, other plans? I mean, I know you talked about the, the activities that you're starting to do, but um, yeah. what can we kind of expect from you in terms of milestones and in terms of uh, goals for the coming year? Um, so the ACL is, uh, is going to take a while to heal because uh, they make a new graft out of your uh, knee tendon. Mm. And um, so the dangerous thing about ACL is that you feel great, but the graft still takes a lot of time to yeah. uh, be strong. And so it's super strong straight after surgery. And then it has a downfall on week, I think it's week six to eight. And then your body feels great, but you can't push. So yeah, I think that uh, like we had a call yesterday. So I'm working with a physio in Dubai. That's like a, a injury prevention. And then have a physio in Iceland that I'm seeing two times a week now. And we've made a plan of like, we're going to go way slower than we want to, just because our main goal is not to get it ruptured again. And I think that's probably the hardest thing in the world for me is hearing that, that it's summertime and I'm not allowed to go out biking or like, I'm not allowed to train a lot because I'm going to let the energy in my body heal my knee and, and then it's go time again. And uh, so so for the first 12 weeks after surgery is, is just one week at a time of what can I add to my load of training? Like now I'm, I'm starting to do partial squats, like on a box, on a 50 centimeter box. And I'm starting to do uh, clams and like all the small stuff, monster walk. And, and, uh, and I'm looking at this rehab opportunity of like, I started CrossFit by being my own coach. So I missed out on all the, on, like all the fundamentals. And uh, mm. now I get the opportunity to make everything that was weak or weak that wasn't like hundred percent as strong as my head is. <laughs> mm. I get the chance mm. to like go all the way to the beginning of like my squat. I need to learn to squat again. And this time I'm not going to shift to the right or I'm not going to, uh, be more stable on the left side when I'm doing pistols versus on the right side. And I have all these, yeah. all these goals now in my rehab that I think are going to help me of being even better when I start again. Although it's going to be yeah. a tough time of like just calming completely down and doing these boring rehab movements. But what I'm reminding myself there is just like, this is just a period of time. And the better I am at this time, the better I will be 2022. 
That's so I think that, yeah, I, like in August, I'm allowed to do Olympic weightlifting again. I haven't done that now for two months <laughs> and jumping wow. again and running again. And so that's 12th of August. Yes, I know the date because I'm very excited. <laughs> and, uh, She's counting that, that counting down I'm the counting sleeves. The days down. Yeah. yeah, I'm counting the sleeves yeah. to be honest. <laughs> so like I think that uh like I just need to be patient until then and hopefully I can do some things like I can't wait to do kipping stuff again, gymnastics. I can't wait to be able to do gymnastics again. Like my physio is extra cautious of like if I do any small mistakes of like just falling from the pull up or I can I can rupture it. So yeah. we're being extra careful now for a week more. And then we're going to hopefully add load next week. And hopefully from that week, we can add a little bit more and like slowly, gradually adding the volume and adding the intensity. And yeah, but it's very yeah. mentally. That's the, so that's people don't understand about this is you're, you're like exemplifying something that's like very, important because people look at athletes and think that the training is the hardest part or the nutrition is the hardest part no but the hardest part of being an athlete because athletes all athletes all athletes have ambition and drive to run before they can walk everybody does that mm -hmm. it, it's like it's a it's a it's like a rite of passage for athletes you run then you learn but that learning process is the hardest part because you're you're being you're being told or you're you know that you shouldn't be doing one thing that you want to do in your career it's like being like an architect and all you all you're allowed to do uh, before actually being an architect is technical drawings and it's hard mm -hmm. because it's like man that's not what i got in for but i know that this is what's going to get me stronger for that so yeah the patient takes for athletes to kind of get through that building process is immense and the best athletes in the world are the ones who can actually be patient enough to go through that and to learn from it and to still feel frustration from it because if you're not frustrated from that situation maybe that means that you're not you're not at that point anymore in your life and it's like maybe the passion's kind of going away so it's very very difficult balance and it's it's it's, it's a lot harder than people think really, honestly, that patience and especially, especially, I mean, like, it feels like, it feels like for you, Sarah, it's been kind of like hurdle after hurdle. And then with COVID and the injury, honestly, the timing couldn't have been more perfect for you in, 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 uh, you, you were lucky in your unluckiness in the sense that like nothing it is, is what, it, what it was. So the healing process is like, so like when you're competing like 50% of the way you wanted, you're not going to compete. You're going to compete 0%, but then next year it'll be probably a hundred percent and you'll yeah, be even exactly. better, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's, um, I just want our listeners to understand that this is exactly the, the image that everyone sees, you know, that, that famous image of the tip of the iceberg and what's underneath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sarah Sigmund's daughter right now is just building the bottom of that iceberg and it's no one sees it. Yeah. No one yeah, understands no one that. It's the boring it's stuff. Hard. <laughs> yes. The very much boring stuff. Yeah. But uh, I, I hopefully uh, Sarah, you'll be able to put in the work and you'll be able to find satisfaction in those little things. And who knows, you might even actually fall in love with those little things because you know how beneficial they are in 
for real. Like everybody knows, but no one understands. No, exactly. Like, and then when you build it, you understand it. It's like anything in life. If, like you can look at someone build, building a piece of furniture and say like, oh, well, that doesn't look too hard. And then you actually do it and you're like, oh shit, now I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really hope for you that um, you'll be able to find uh, legitimate joy in the process of building back up because it's not easy, but, um, uh, but it is the right, right time to do it. So, uh, I mean, yeah, my rant is over. I'm getting motivated. By listening to <laughs> yeah. Sarah wants to go training right now. She's, uh, yeah, so <laughs> well, no, go read a book. Yeah. I'm going to read a book. <laughs> yeah. It was very inspirational. And I mean, j just to bounce back on what you're saying, uh, injury or not, everyone had to put aside something that they love in the past 14 months. I mean, uh, the thing I, I learned that the thing I love the most to do is emceeing live events. I mean, being on the floor in Wadapalooza, in Miami at Wadapalooza with, I mean, Sarah and all these people, uh, there's so much energy. There's so... Yeah. You can't reproduce that anywhere in life. I mean, what we had at Filthy 150, everyone that was there, you strength and depth and French throwdown, all of these events. I mean, I haven't done that. And it's the thing I love to do the most in the world. I haven't done that in 14 months. And what am I going to do? I mean, keep crying on my couch and uh, complaining about I, I cannot do that. I mean, I'm not an athlete like both of you are. Um, but I, was. I mean, I. I was, <laughs> but I mean, uh, just, just to relate that all of our listeners right now, everyone kind of lost quote unquote something in these 14 months. And we can, if there's a way that we can relate of how bad a big injury is for, uh, one of the best athletes in the world. I mean, this is how we can relate mm. to it. I mean, Sarah cannot do what she loves the most, but there's other people as well that, you know, and what do you want to do? You have to work on something else until it comes back, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you that, right? You appreciate more what you had. I'm sorry? Yeah, exactly. And the world is testing, the world right now is testing commitment. Passion is gone because passion is so, it's, it's the spark of the flame and 14 months If you only have passion, then you're probably already moving on to your next thing. Right now, it's commitment and discipline. And, and those are the two virtues that, that are, are really being tested right now for everybody. Like injured athletes, yes. But right now, uh, the fact that all the competitions are moving online and everything, we're really testing people's commitment to their craft. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, well... So, Sarah, um, uh, I'm going to ask a, a, a lighter question now. Um, so, if you were to choose one thing to do for the rest of the uh, healing process for your knee, and I'm not talking about CrossFit, I'm not talking about training, I'm really talking about something that you kind of want to do but maybe haven't thought of, what would you do? One thing from now until your, your beginning of training for competition again. Oof, this is hard. <laughs> The hardest question of all the interview. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, you can't see Sarah's face, but <laughs> we really saw on her face that it's a hard question. <laughs> like, I think, um, like, what I've been doing is, is like uh, playing guitar a little bit. And I think that, that I'm bringing music back into my life has been something that I want to bring every day. And also, 
when I start training again, I think that's going to be one of the most important things is that what I keep in. And I've never Mm -hmm. been able to do meditation and everything. Like I just get so bored and start overthinking everything. So I would say that music is my meditation. And when I'm like creating something myself or learning something new, like that's always what gives me the most satisfaction. So I think that uh, like having half an hour a day of something that's related to music is something that should be something I should do every day. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, when I was uh, in 2015, when I had my worst, my career ending games, because in reality, 2015 was the, was the year that I decided to stop, but I wasn't going to stop there. I was going to give myself another year to actually enjoy what I was doing because you know, you know what it's like, right? You're always wanting more. So you never actually enjoy what you're you're doing. So I said, constantly think about the outcome. Yeah. Yes. Always, always. So I said, 2016 is the year that I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing. And then I, I forced myself um, to do something outside of the gym that uh, I missed. And I studied in design and in art. So I was like, well, I don't want to painting is uh, too, too uh, intense in the sense that uh, there's a lot of stuff to buy and there's a lot of things. So I figured I'm going to take a pottery class. And uh, it was what it was two or three hours a week, once a week for, I don't know, we made a a few things. And I can tell you when you add something like that into your training regimen, you have what, what most people consider the gym to be their one hour of me time. Um, doing something like music or like pottery or anything like that, um, that's mindless and that's basic and that you can learn learn slowly Mm -hmm. is a huge game changer in your stress level and your, and your appreciation of, of life. You know, it's, it's really a game changing experience. Nice to see that the music is something that you would introduce. Greg, what's yours? One thing that you, that uh, you have to do, let's say for the next year, only one thing. Oh my God. It, and it's hard. I was going to say it, it's hard for me to choose something. And I mean, it, it's funny to say, cause all, both of you are successful CrossFit athletes and, uh, I'm, I'm not a successful CrossFitter, but I'm a high performer in everything I do. I want to perform. And yeah. it's, it's hard to pick something for even when I make coffee in the morning, I make my, I make my girlfriend a coffee every morning and I want it to be the best coffee yes. it can be. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to actually pick something and mm-hmm. not to perform. And that only thing, I mean, would be, I was going to say two things. I mean, reading and meditation, but probably reading. Yeah. It's uh, cause even when, even when I'm meditating, I'm like, no, I have to chase these thoughts and yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I go there too. I'm like, okay, I need to do this, 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 this can improve this and this can improve this. Oh yeah. I should try this also. It's just like, bum. yeah. So reading, I mean, I, I, I think I can disconnect when, when I read and uh, funny enough, I, I, I would add running. I mean, running, sometimes yeah. j- just try to running, I mean, running slow for me is a challenge. I mean, not to actually perform in running, but when I, you know, have this in mind, I just listen to the music, put one foot in front of the other. Um, This, this helps me a lot too. Yeah. I have, um, uh, the other day I was like scrolling through Instagram and I was listening to 
uh, video on Instagram. It just popped up in my feed about, um, he's an artist, a, a guy was being interviewed and uh, he's a visual artist, like a painter. And he was saying, the other day I was talking to someone and I said that I was, I painted. And then that person asked him, oh yeah, are you Eddie good at it? And then he yeah. said, well, I mean, no, I mean like, why, why are you asking me that? And then he said, you know, you wouldn't, if you ask someone what they do for a pastime and they say, I walk, would you ask them, well, are you any good at it? Yeah. And then he said, if I, if I paint to be good at it, I will not find enjoyment in it. And obviously that you have to take that statement with a grain of salt because when you're doing something performance wise you have to be good at it there is no question about it and there is a lot of pleasure in being good at something but then finding an outlet that you can do as an athlete that doesn't require you to be good at it is insane amount of self-work it is training yourself to expect nothing of yourself at a given moment and for an athlete it is very difficult to do that and every single time I paint or I run I think about that conversation and I say no this isn't the time to be performant this is the time to just enjoy what I'm doing and it's every time you remember that little thought and hopefully uh, Sarah this little thought will come at you when you're doing something or whatnot but that little thought kind of feel instant pressure release it's like oh you're right like i don't have to be going fast today if i don't want to and then then you can understand how to pace yourself in your passions which is super important because you don't want to burn out in the actual thing that you really love to do yeah exactly well i love that point of like are you any good at it like this is so like if i'm saying yeah i'm learning guitar are you any good at it i'm like no (laughs) i just started and then i put the pressure on me like maybe I'm extra bad. Maybe I'm so slow learning everything. Why? Like you, you go straight to the outcome. It's so crazy, but it's yeah. such a good point of like, it doesn't matter how good you are at something. Like if you're enjoying it. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think, these yeah, are, well, I think these are wise words to close this chat that we're yeah. having all together. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me again. Like it, it was, it was so fun to have you for actually such a long time. We know yeah. even even though you can't train four to five hours a day, you're still very busy. So have, it was good. I have extra time now. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good to have some of this time, Michelle. Uh, thank you for these truth bombs and inspiration this morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I talk to inspire myself. You know, it's Monday. Yeah, you inspired us a lot. I'm like. <laughs> So motivated right now. I'm like, Sarah I cannot trust this recovery. Uh, so, Sarah, um, I think uh, we both of us really wish you um, the best possible recovery and um, and uh, um, um, let's say um, uh, insightful uh, recovery as well. Yes. And let's touch base in a couple months. Why not? Yeah. Um, let's do a part two or something. Yeah, we have months. to do that. Yeah. Okay, let's we do will. it um, like September, October, or something like that. Like when I've started training again. Okay, it's on our schedule. We'll put yeah. it. I'll call Snorri. <laughs> yeah, tell Snorri. Because <laughs> I will so- forget. <laughs> Thank you so much once again. Have a good week. Uh, enjoy the process, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, see you guys. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye.